As we continue our time of worship, let's turn to our scripture this morning in Luke chapter 12. It is Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21. Again, Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21. I'll be reading from the ESV version. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to them, man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. May God bless the reading of his word. This morning, as we continue our time in the parables, let's invite Pastor Jeff to preach this sermon on the rich fool. Pastor Jeff, over to you. Good morning, Crossbridge, my friends. Wish I could see you face to face, but here we are doing the best we can with our media. We're in a series, a summer series, on the parables of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like all these parables that Jesus told. Most of the parables that we're looking at come from the book of Luke. Did you know that 52% of Jesus's words in the book of Luke are parable? That's not 52% of all the words of Luke, but it's like, you know, if you have a red letter edition Bible, Jesus' words are in red. 52% of his words, the red words, are parable. Without a parable, he did not teach them. The kingdom of heaven is like. So I love these stories. They are little gems, little literary theological gems, just packed full of wisdom. And one of the ways they convey wisdom to us is with uh, irony. Irony is a kind of a uh, insider look because the reader or the listener knows things and sees things that the characters in the story don't see. And this is a story about a rich fool. He doesn't know he's a fool. You and I know he's a fool. Here's the story. See if you can uh, pick up on some of the irony and appreciate its richness. This is Luke chapter 12 verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, uh, the man and the brother and the whole crowd, he said to them, 
Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So that's the narrative setting. You got a guy coming, having this interpersonal conflict with his brother. Tell him to divide the inheritance. Jesus says, hey, watch out for this kind of thing. Be on your guard against greed and covetousness. Then he tells him the parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, hmm, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And then the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Jesus comments, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Well, that's the story, and it's just a few verses, but you know how Jesus' teaching is. It's just packed. And in this case, we want to look at the, the irony. The first, uh, the, the main teaching that he gives us, and he states it very plainly, is be on your guard. Shields up. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed or covetousness. Greed for money or land or uh, material goods or, you know, anything, reputation. Be on your guard against all kinds of hoarding and coveting and greed and making myself rich and thinking all these things are for me and not something to be stewarded and to bless others. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. Shields up against all kinds of greed. Well, the first thing I notice here is that this fool, the, one of the reasons he is a fool is because he doesn't know the true nature of stuff, of material stuff. He doesn't know its essence. For example, he doesn't know that stuff is a gift. Did you pick up on that. It's very subtle. But in verse 16, it says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. See how Jesus uh, says, it wasn't this guy who accumulated uh, this vast store of grain because of his own skill in farming. The land produced plentifully. It just kind of happened. The, uh, the sun shined and the rain fell and the insects did not devour and the hail did not crush and the thieves did not break in and steal and voila, the land produced plentifully. This is the grace of God. 
but the, and we don't hear the rich fool say when, when he looks at this, you know, bumper crop, bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. Wow, Lord, thank you. Look at what you've done. What you've done. He, he doesn't know that stuff is a gift from God. I'm glad you and I are not fools like this rich fool. But some people, some people lack this insight. They never stop to say, bless the Lord, for technology and antibiotics and education and retirement accounts and their employment and their stuff. I don't know, they, they, they don't give it a second thought, or, or they may think the strength of my hands has produced this. Well, it's a gift. It is a gift from God. And even if the strength of your hands is involved, because we are involved in God's great kingdom, that strength is a gift. The fool doesn't know this. He doesn't know that stuff is a gift. Furthermore, he, does, he doesn't know that stuff is a stewardship. It's not meant to be hoarded, tear down my barns, build bigger ones. It is a it is a blessing to be shared. This goes all the way back to the, the covenant with Abraham, we call it the Abrahamic covenant. Remember God said to him, uh, in you, um, I, I will bless you and make your name great so that, so that causal uh, uh, link there, purpose clause, so that you will be a blessing. That's why God gives us stuff. Certainly it's for our own benefit and our comfort and our joy in life. God is a good God. But it's, uh, let's not hoard things. Let's pass on the blessing. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. But look at, at the rich fool. He sees uh, the, the stuff as a problem to be solved, not as a blessing to be shared. Look at verses 17 and 18. He thought to himself, you know, the, grand, the, the ground produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, what shall I do? I have nowhere to put all my stuff. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. <laughs> Probably these, these were grain silos, storage areas. I'll tear them down and build bigger ones. And I'll store all my grain and all my goods. Yeah, that's a good solution. Yeah, hoard it. He doesn't need all this to live on. Build bigger barns. I understand that the mini storage business is one of the fastest growing <laughs> businesses in the U.S. because we got to keep our stuff somewhere. Why not just give some away? Why not deaccumulate? But uh, I'm not speaking to fools though, like, like this fellow. So we want to use our stuff, we want to use our education and our money and our literacy and our spiritual gifts and our good health and our expertise and our homes. We want to use them to bless others. We want to use 
our emotional uh, resources, emotional wholeness. Did you, did you ever think of emotional wholeness as a gift from God and a gift to be stewarded to others? Some of us are the walking wounded emotionally through whatever cause, you know, whatever, domineering parents or abuse or, you know, whatever, post-traumatic stress. But some of you are put together. And you're not perfect, but you're, you're, you're emotionally stable and solid. Did you ever think of that as something that other people don't have and it's something you can use to bear the burdens of others and to react calmly and with wisdom? My point is, God gives us gifts and they are meant to be stewarded. Not this, this fool doesn't get any of this. You and I get it, right? We're not fools. Now watch what else happens. There's a little bit more here. He, look at the irony. He thinks that his soul can be satisfied with material stuff. He has never read Augustine as you and I have read. Our souls are restless until they rest in you. He doesn't know that. He has never read Pascal, the great philosopher, as you and I have. Pascal said there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart, the soul of every person. God-shaped vacuum, empty. Only God can fill it. Ah, he doesn't know that. He thinks his soul can be uh, satisfied with stuff. Now imagine the foolishness. Just imagine. Uh, it's just ridiculous. He thinks that a new iWatch and an iPad with more gigs and, uh, and having clothing with a certain name on the label and a certain model of car and that, mm, that new car smell. Just imagine the foolishness that he thinks this can satisfy his soul. We would never do that, would we? He, we believe, as Jesus has said, right, very plainly here in verse 15, we believe that a person's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. But here he goes on talking to his soul. Soul, uh, you have many good things. And he's talking to his soul and, and he thinks stuff can fill that God-shaped vacuum. I heard uh, a while ago about a woman who had a, a consulting business uh, for professionals and one of her clients was in the beauty product like makeup and everything beauty product uh, industry and, and this woman was very rich and so my friend as a consultant went and visited her in her home oh my goodness what a home there was an artificial lake or a man-made lake outside. The woman, had, she wanted swans in her lake. So she got some swans and put them in the lake. And then she had their wings clipped so they couldn't fly away. My friend said that her clothing, which was a massive number of 
articles of clothing. It was three, her closet, her clothes closet was three stories high. And the clothing was on like a, like a, a, a rotating kind of like an elevator, like at the dry cleaner, you know, the garments roll by and so she could push a button and scroll through them and stop it and find, oh my, what extravagance. How soul satisfying to have swans outside your window. Well, I'm not talking to fools. I'm talking to those who understand the kingdom of God. And that stuff is a gift. And it is a gift to be stewarded. <laughs> and that our souls really are built for something more substantial than trying to cram in stuff into our soul satisfaction. Can I go further? He doesn't know the nature of stuff. He also does not know the nature of self, of himself. Namely, he thinks he's strong. He thinks he's got many days stretched out ahead of him. He's actually very weak, very fragile, very limited. Look at verses 19 and 20. I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And God said to him, fool, this very night, your soul, speaking of your soul, it will be required of you. And then what's going to happen to all this stuff? So he thinks he's strong. He thinks uh, he's, you know, He's going to just continue for many years. He made a grave error. This uh, weak little fragile fool has not read the scriptures as you and I have read them. Um, we are a mist, James. We are like grass that springs up and then in the summer heat, just in the afternoon heat, it withers. We are like a dream that passes in the night. David said we are, the length of our days is a hand breadth. Like from here to there. That's the span of our days. Moses said teach us to number our days. Because that's where wisdom is found. This guy, he's not doing any numbering. You and I know. You and I are not fools, right? We would never make these mistakes. So this, he doesn't know the nature of, of self and of life. Furthermore, he thinks of himself, this fragile little creature, he thinks of himself as the center of the universe. And this is very subtle, but it just shows us the literary skill of our Lord Jesus. Notice in verses... Um, 17 through 19, how many personal pronouns there are? I mean, like I and me and my, verses 17 through 19. Let me give you just uh, 10 seconds here, just to look at your Bible. Count the number of pronouns, 17 to 19. What shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops 
He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barn, my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my, my grain, all my goods. And it just goes on in the Greek text. It depends, you know, how you translate this in English. In the Greek text, there are uh, 12 personal pronouns here, I and my. He, he's, all, he's all puffed up. He's all about himself. I, and then I'll do this. And then I think, my soul, oh yes. He doesn't know the nature of himself. He doesn't know that he is the created and there is a creator. He doesn't know that he is contingent and dependent and there is the foundation and the rock and the source. There's nothing in his speech about God or eternity or it's all about himself. Well, I'm glad I'm not speaking to fools because we know the nature of stuff. We know the nature of self. We're fragile. We're, uh, we're not the center of the universe. Okay, I'm glad that you and I are on guard against all kinds of greed. And we know that stuff isn't meant to be hoarded, build bigger uh, storage units. Okay, one more. This is the last one. He doesn't know, okay, he doesn't know the nature of stuff. He doesn't know the nature of his, himself. He does not know the nature, number three, of his sovereign Savior. He doesn't know who he's dealing with. He doesn't know that his Savior can be trusted to deal with stuff. You may say, Jeff, where are you getting that truth? I'm actually getting that from the context of this parable. Did you notice, you have your Bible open, did you notice that the very next passage, Jesus, you know, picks up on the heels of this parable, on the very next passage, uh, he said to his disciples, therefore, therefore, in light of this teaching, be on your guard, you know, this rich fool, therefore, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, your clothing. Life is more than food. Look, uh, disciples, uh, consider, consider the ravens. They don't, they don't uh, sow, they don't reap, and yet they don't have a storehouse or a barn, referring to the rich fool, but they're doing just fine. God feeds them. How much more value are you and now, the, the rich fool doesn't know this. He doesn't know who he's dealing with, the nature of his, potentially, his sovereign Savior. You and I know it. Can you say amen? You and I know that God can be trusted to provide us with stuff. Years ago, I told you a story. You may remember it. I'm going to tell it again. It's one of my favorite stories. And it picks up on Jesus' teaching about, look, look at the birds of the air. Uh, in another place, in one of the other Gospels, he says, not one of them falls to the ground without your heavenly Father knowing it and seeing it. He takes care of sparrows. Here he says, ravens, sparrows. The word in Greek is diminutive. It's like little sparrowette, little tiny little bird. Okay, here's the story. Um, 
When my son Daniel was a little boy, someone gave him as a sort of educational uh, gift, a bird feeder. It was shaped like a little house and you would uh, lift up the roof, the top of it, and put in bird food, and then birds could feed there. And we thought that'd be educational. He could watch the different kinds of birds and all of that. It, was, it, it had a string, uh, a, a little rope, and we took it out to the backyard and put the rope over a low branch. And then we filled it up with bird seed and with the, it was a low branch and then with the weight of the, um, the, the bird seed, it, it dropped down. It was only about uh, maybe this high off the ground, maybe three feet or so. And then we stood at the sliding glass door and we watched. And every day birds would come. There were robins and little wrens and little, I don't know, sparrowette bird little things, and they would come and feed. And every day, a big old blue jay, two or three times as big as those other birds would come and land on the edge of the little house. And he didn't like the other birds being there, so he would kind of walk sideways along the edge and kind of and elbow and shove them off. And those little robins and wrens and little sparrowettes would half fall, half flutter to the ground. And every time that happened, God saw it. And in some mysterious way that we can, we can hardly even wrap our minds around. He oversaw birds. Now look, you, you guys are a lot more important than birds. And you know this, that our sovereign Savior sees and hears. What did we just study in the book of Exodus? He sees he remembers his covenant. He hears our cries. He knows that we need stuff. Well, you and I know this. I'm just reminding you of what you already know. You are not a fool, right? Like this fellow in the story. But maybe as I'm speaking, Maybe you are having doubts about someone you know. Maybe you're thinking, well, I may not be a fool, but someone else is a fool. How can I tell if they're if foolish? All right, that, that's a good question. I'm going to conclude here by giving a quiz. It's a true-false quiz, simple quiz, and it has uh, eight questions, and uh, this is how you can determine if your friend uh, is a fool. Okay, number one, when I receive stuff, true or false, when I receive stuff, I thank God. This is often on my lips. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. True or false? Number two, I am working to exhaustion to accumulate stuff. True or false? Number three, I have a storage unit, or a locker, or an attic, or a spare room, or a closet bursting with stuff. 
it never crosses my mind to give some of this stuff away. True or false? Number four, I care for my soul as much as I care for my stuff. Number five, I believe that God can be trusted to provide necessary stuff. True or false? Number six, I hoard. Number seven, as a result of this parable, I will disarm some of the idolatrous power of stuff by giving something away. Some of my time, some of my expertise, some of my money, some of my space, some of my books, some of my clothing, some of my music, some equipment, something which is doing me no good but could be a great blessing to someone else. Number eight, true or false, I am on guard against all kinds.